morning to Ephesians chapter 1. As I was sitting, this is for you mothers, this morning, the word of the Lord came on to me saying, as their days will be, so shall their strength be. So, every day you need strength. Amen. You need strength for each day's task. You need strength to work and deal with us. You got that, men? They need strength. Amen. This is, and I won't have you stand, but I, I do want to remind you, because we get sidetracked, we have guest ministries, and, and Kathy has, has shared some things too, but this is what we're declaring 2015 to be. A year of blessing and ministry opportunities. Say that with me. A year of blessing and ministry opportunities. New direction. Say it. New direction. Say it together. Deliverance and reversal. Restorations and healing. Restitution and rest. And revival. Amen. That's what we're believing God for. Is blessings. Now this morning... I'm not going to to review, I'm just going to get into uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Yes, God wants to bless you and I. He wants to bless our families. We were sitting yesterday at a ball game in Omaha, and I was eating popcorn, and I always do. I either fall down. I don't know how to tell you this. We were at one ball game a couple weeks ago, and I was sitting on the picnic table, and I had my feet tucked underneath, and they said, please rise for the national anthem, and I didn't rise. I fell right down. On the cement, splat. The, the metal picnic table clanged and banged and everybody looked at me. Now, years ago, I would have been just devastated. But it seems like the older you get, you just get up. You dust yourself off, Dean, and you go on with life. We all sang the national anthem. But now every time we go to a game, she's looking at me like, where, am I, where are you sitting? What are you doing? But we were sitting yesterday at a ball game. Micah's last ball game for the season, and <clears throat> I knocked my popcorn off the, the, the metal bleachers and looked down, and Kathy says, oh, look, a $10 bill. So I grabbed that $10 bill before I did my popcorn, and, and then I just put it in her hot little hand because it's Mother's Day. And, and I went to pay for another kid's sandwich, basically. <laughs> but God is good. Amen. He's one that he, he wants, and his nature is one that blesses spiritually and physically. And we get caught up with physical blessings, financial blessings, but we're going to now today begin to talk about his spiritual blessings. Because spiritual blessings come first. Yes, that's the, the, the other is just a byproduct of spiritual blessings, of knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and walking in the spiritual inheritance that's he, that He's given you. So God's blessings are spiritual and physical. His blessings, we will learn in the days ahead, are conditional. And then we're going to talk about the power of the spoken blessing. Today I believe, as your days are, ladies, so shall your strength be. You hold on to that. Amen? Now, 
we're going to look at the significance of spiritual blessings. And I want to read to you in Ephesians chapter 1 and, and uh, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What, what did Paul begin this letter to, to Ephesus? What did to the Ephesian church, what did he begin with? Blessing. What did we begin today with? Blessing our Heavenly Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to these three words. Who has blessed us? Four words. Who has blessed us? Say that with me. Who has blessed us? What? With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Who has blessed us? Not who will bless us. I want you to understand today that our Heavenly Father has already blessed us. Already blessed us. Not going to bless us, but He's already blessed us. All your blessings as a believer are tied to your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In Him we live and move and have our being, it tells us in Acts. So, I want to begin to have your eyes open to, to recognize those spiritual blessings because there's believers throughout the world today that have no idea of who they are in Christ and the spiritual blessings that, that are theirs. Now, all I have is $2. I don't have that 10 in there. But I want you to stand up. I'm going to give you those $2. Now, wait a minute. Don't sit down there yet, girl. It isn't that easy. Boy, she's growing up. There are believers out there that, are, that possess spiritual blessings, and these represent spiritual blessings. And, and she could stand there with that $2 and say, Oh, God, I wish I had $2. I need $2. You're not believing enough, high enough. It should be more like $200 but I don't have $200 right now. But there are believers out there that, are holding, that have and possess already those spiritual blessings, and they're, they're believing God for things when they should just begin to thank God for what they already have. So what you should do is, thank God my preacher gave me $2. You can sit down now. You're welcome. See, that's what we should say every day to the Father. Thank you. Just like that sweet... Amen. So, we're blessed. We've already been blessed. Say, I've already been blessed. We've already been blessed with what? Divine rights and privileges because of what Jesus Christ accomplished through His death, burial, burial and resurrection. And so, you know, these are things that we're going to look at in the days ahead. Well, what opens the door? What, what's the, the, the step that you have to take for to be blessed with those spiritual blessings, we'll get born again. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So what opens the door is when you get born again. 
And I like, uh, I found this as, <clears throat> I was going through material here, and I, I want to read it to you because Dr. Hagen comments. He wrote a little book entitled In Him many, many, many years ago. In fact, he wasn't the first. E.W. Canyon really was one that was the pioneer for spiritual blessings. But he says this, he says, when one is born again, he comes into Christ. And that's the only way you can get in him. But then Jesus said, if my words abide in you, abide means to live. His word lives in me to the extent that I practice it. Many Christians are born again and in him. Now listen, many Christians are born again and in him, but his word is not abiding in them. That's why prayer doesn't work for them. The word abides in me in the measure I practice it. I may memorize it, quote it, or even preach it without it living in me. That word lives in me only to the measure I practice it. I let that word have free course in me, teaching me, governing me, dominating me. I let the message of that word take the place in my life. I would Christ. If Christ... I would, let me say it again. I let the message of that word take the place in my life. I would Christ if he were here in the flesh. He says a Christian is not renovated like a mattress. He's a new creature. Sam, a new creature. He's not just made over. He's a new creation. Something which never before existed. One translation reads, he's a new species. The Christian at new birth does not have a new physical body, though he will one day. It is the man on the inside who is a new creation. The old man who used to be there is gone. Aren't you glad? The inward man is the real you, and the inward man, the real man, is the new creation. He takes on the very life and nature of God. Say, I have the very life and the nature of God in me. Hold fast to your confession that you are a new creature. Then the new man on the inside will be manifested on the outside through the flesh. Learn to let this man on the inside dominate the outward man. God is looking at that new man in Christ when he looks at us. Now that's what we have trouble with. I'm going to say that again. God is looking at that new man in Christ when he looks at us. We think he's looking at all our failures, all our shortcomings, all our sins, all our fleshly tendencies. God sees Christ when He looks at you and me. And He says this, this is good, He says, and we look much better in Christ than we do out of Him. We can't see each other in Christ. We look at each other from the natural, st natural standpoint, but God looks at us in Him. We didn't make ourselves new creatures, He did. We are His workmanship, and you'd be bet you better be careful about how you talk about His workmanship. Be careful to say the same thing about His workmanship that He says about it in His Word. That's what I, I'm referring to today about the spiritual blessings. What's the Word have to say about you and I? Be careful not to slur or mock God by saying, Oh, I'm so poor and weak and unworthy. I'll never amount to anything. 
He didn't make you that kind of new creature. He made you a worthy new creature. He made you a new creature who could stand in His presence as though you never committed a sin. That's how Kenyon defines righteousness. The ability to stand in God's presence without that you know, mindset of our sin inferiority thing. He made you a righteous new creature. Start telling who you actually are instead of who you think you are. It's real easy, isn't it, to tell ourselves who we think we are instead of who we really are. That has a lot to do you know, with, with confession. There's a lot in the Bible that it's not just confession of sin, but it's a, a profession of your faith. It's confessing who you are now in Christ Jesus. Rick Renner says, just as you live at a certain physical address, you also have a spiritual address. You as a believer permanently reside in the Son of God. He is your permanent home, a home from which you will never move because you're locked up and securely placed inside Him perpetually. Ephesians 1.11 it says in, in my King James, it says, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. The Message Bible says, In Christ we find out who we are and what we are living for. I like that. In Christ we find out who we are and what we are living for. We all should be living for something other than self. We should all have a mindset, our vision should be bigger outside these four walls, our own family, knowing that God has called us for a purpose. Everyone here today has been chosen by God, and that's one of the spiritual blessings. If you look in Ephesians 1.11, look at, or excuse me, 1 verse 4, are you there? It says, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. So we've been chosen. Amen? Now, spiritual blessings are realized because of our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at, hold your finger there, and look at 1 John 1. 1 John chapter 1. Or excuse me, 1 John, let's look at chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. <clears throat> Say, I look good in Christ. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called what? Children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God or sons of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed we shall be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. We are children of God. Look at Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. What's the Bible say? That's what we're looking at today. What's the Bible say about you and I? Well, we just read that we're chosen. 
We just read that we're children of God, sons of God. Romans 8 verse 14 says, But as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are what? The sons of God. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Do you know down in here, you can't explain it with your head, but you know you're a child of God. You know you're in Christ. You're in relationship with Jesus Christ. That your body is the temple of the living God. It says, if children and heirs of God, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified with Him. Look at another wonderful scripture. Look at two pages over, three pages. Look at Romans chapter 5. Spiritual blessings come as a result of being born again. Spiritual blessings are realized because of a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Romans 5 verse 17 it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Have you received an abundance of grace? Have you received the gift of righteousness? Then it says, you will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. You mean you're going to reign when you get to heaven? No, you and I should reign now. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what kind of lifestyle or what, what my family situation's like and what problems I'm dealing with. The Bible says we'll reign in this life. God is not a man that He should lie. The Word of God is true. You and I should reign in life. We've been, we've been given, bestowed upon us authority. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And that's why most Christians are good people. They love God. They go to church. But when it's all said and done and they take their last breath... Have they really reigned in this life? Have they advanced the kingdom of God? See, we as a people, we as a church should have that mindset. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We should be accomplishing more for the kingdom. Amen? We should be reigning in this life, advancing the kingdom of God. Taking the keys that God has given us through our authority in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Revelations 1, He's made us kings and priests, not just for the next life, but now. Now, go back to Ephesians 1. Please. Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I'll tell you. I want you to understand the unconditional love of your preacher. And because of my example, you can see the unconditional love of the Father. You know, it didn't bother me a bit, it's fine. Provided a moment of levity, I guess. huh? 
Ephesians chapter 1, I want to read verse 3 and 4 again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. I, I can't say that enough. This week, this week, I want you to begin to thank God for what He has already blessed you with. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. My goodness, not some, but every. So it would behoove us the fact of gaining knowledge of spiritual blessings. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. John 15 and verse 16, I'll read it to you, states, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Many of us, we're on living our existence. Weren't even looking for God. But we had an encounter, just like the Saul of Tarsus had an encounter with God Almighty. And discovered who his Lord and Savior was. God chose him. But I want you to understand today, and some of you young ones maybe don't even think about this. But I want you to understand today that you've been chosen by God. As I worked on this and prepared this, I reflected on the, how God, by His Spirit, put people into my life when I was a young, disillusioned, confused young man. Junior college, all I lived for was partying on the weekend. And God put a Baptist girl in my life that took me home with her. I drove one early Sunday morning from my hometown of Fairbury to York to go to church, to this Baptist church. My heart, I knew there was something more. She took me to church. She shared with me. And I had an experience. I I got born again. And then I recognized there was a calling on my life. Now, not everybody will have a five-fold ministry calling, but that makes no difference in the kingdom of God. Everyone is called. Everyone, if you think when you get to heaven, you're just going to sit around and strum on a harp or play a mandolin. I'd rather play a mandolin. I know Caleb would too. You just don't have mandolin fingers. We're not going to sit around on clouds. We're going to be doing something. And it's no different as we reign in life on planet earth. We need to be doing something. You have a call. Young people, you have a call. Some of you are going to be out of high school before. Another year, Mike will be graduating. Unbelievable how they grow up. Carly's growing up. And they're going to be gone before you know it. But you young people have a call. Well, I don't think I'm called to the ministry. That's fine. 
I've never made my sons conform and tell everybody they're going to be preachers. Have you ever seen them march in here like some preachers do with their kids with their Bible under their arm and sit up front and act real spiritual and like they're holy? And No, I, they're, they're boys. They're good boys. But you know what? They have a calling. You have a calling. You have a calling. Got a lot of things ahead of you. Don't you? Don't let it overwhelm you as long as you seek God. Get the mind of Christ. Take a step. Take a step. Take, you're going to take some steps. Take one step, then you'll be revealed another step. But you're all called to do something. Well, I've been called to work in the nursery and change diapers. Thank God for you. You'll have more crowns than I will. If I get any crowns, I don't know. I think I will, maybe. Who knows? But you have a calling. Some of you feel, I don't feel like I have a calling. Well, you know what you need to do? You need to discover those spiritual blessings. And if you and I will concentrate on the Word and what the Word says about us, then our eyes will be open. Maybe we'll see some things. I want to read to you I, I keep every word for you today. How many of you keep those? Maybe you don't. I, I keep every one of them. I used, years ago, I had Julie try to organize it. And I, just got, I gave up because it's so hard to organize this. But <coughs> this, is, this is what um, was said by the author. He says, With full knowledge of your past failings and present defects of character. Anybody? Past failings? defects, just Terry and I. Terry and I, boy, we're honored to sit in a church with all these people with no defects or unfailing character. He says, with full knowledge of your past failings and present defects of character, God chose you anyway. That's mind-blowing grace. It's also a truth that's hard to hold on to when you're having a bad day and underperforming spiritually. What does it mean to be chosen? To be chosen is to be seen as unique. Each one of us cries out to be noticed, to be special. Not just one more the same. And with God, everybody is somebody. In His eyes, there are no misfits, rejects, or second-class citizens. To be recognized, number two... What does it mean to be chosen? It means to be recognized as having something to contribute. Chosen people are significant. Their biographies get written and read because their stories matter. They establish God's kingdom on the earth. Understand this, God thinks you have something to contribute that no one else can. Number three, what does it mean to be chosen? It means to be wanted by God. For people with empty hearts and wounded pasts, the only true basis for self-worth is God's unchanging opinion of you that is revealed in His Word. Let me say that again. To be wanted by God. For people with empty hearts and wounded pasts, The only true basis for self-worth. The only true basis for self-worth is God's unchanging opinion of you revealed in His Word. And I already told you what He thinks.
thinks of you. You're a king and a priest. And you're reigning in this life. To be chosen by men often means to be chosen at someone else's expense. But God doesn't choose in that way. No, His plan for you does not diminish the lives of others. It enhances, enhances them. In God's plan, those who are chosen are always chosen for one reason. To serve. When we begin to see one another as being chosen by God, we'll begin to love and respect one another in a way we never have before. And that will profoundly change every relationship that we have. You want to know why sometimes we struggle with people trying to do stuff and get them to work in the church? Because they don't see themselves as chosen ones. Called. Having something to contribute. And it doesn't make any difference how insignificant that contribution might be. You still have something to contribute. Look at Psalm 139. I'm almost done. It's Mother's Day and I want to make sure you get to the restaurant before everybody else. We're going to beat the Baptists because we reign in this life. Thank God for that Baptist girl. That day is etched in me. I can still vividly remember the home. It was right next to the hospital. Her mother was a nurse. The records, the records. (laughs) She was playing records. Not CDs, 8-tracks. They were those vinyl things. Of Christian artists I'd never heard of before because I didn't listen to Christian music. And I remember how it just impressed my heart. So thank God. Don't think I'm making fun of the Baptist. I'm not. Look at this scripture in Psalm 139. If you wake up someday and you feel like shedding a tear and crying in your beer... Read this scripture. Psalm 139, verse 13. Psalm of David. For you form me, are you form my inward parts? You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. That's, that's a powerful scripture. When you don't think you amount to anything, when you don't feel like you're chosen, remember when you were kids and they'd choose teams? I did. We played games in the playground. They'd, I was never one of the first ones they chose because I was a little fat kid. They don't pick little fat kids for sports. They want the big strong ones. So there's when I was wounded. It scarred me for life. 
I've been thin ever since. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> Having an Alzheimer's moment. Being wounded. No. When you don't feel like you're chosen and they don't choose you to, for the team, remind yourself that you've already been chosen by the team leader that really matters anyway, our Heavenly Father. I want to, I'm going to close with this, and I, I didn't want to take the time, but I'm, in fact, I, I was going to go and, and define that in the Greek, but I'm not going to do that. I, I, I want to read this to you. This is one of, one of my favorite true stories. It's entitled, He Chose to Save You. Some of you remember. It's an old one, but it's good. He quotes Matthew 27, 42. It says, He saved others. Himself He cannot save when the pastor introduced the visiting speaker, an elderly preacher walked to the pulpit and told this story. A father, his son, and his son's friend were sailing off the Pacific coast when a storm overturned their boat, sweeping all of them into the ocean, grabbing a rescue line in a split second. The father had to make the most excruciating decision of his life, which boy to throw the other end to and which one to sacrifice. He knew his son had accepted Christ and his friend hadn't. Anguished, the father yelled, I love you, son, and threw the rope to his son's friend. By the time he pulled the boy back to the capsized boat, his son had disappeared beneath the waves. His body was never recovered. The father knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus and couldn't bear the thought of his friend facing eternity without Christ. At the end of the service, a teenage boy approached the old man and said, that's a nice story, but what father in his right mind would sacrifice his son's life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian? You've got the point, the old preacher replied. It's not realistic. But I'm standing here today to tell you that story gives me a glimpse into what it must have been like for God to sacrifice his only son for us. You see, I was that father and your pastor was my son's friend. The Pharisees who watched Christ die said He saved others. He, himself He cannot save. And they were right. He couldn't do both. So He chose to save you. Today will you accept His offer of salvation? And many of you have. How many of you hear Jesus as your Lord? You've made the right decision. But now you've got to start seeing yourself in a different light. Stand your feet this morning, please, would you? Let's say this together. God knew me before the earth was created and called me before He formed me in my mother's womb. He has a plan for my life. And He's chosen me to succeed. Help me, Father... Look at my life with respect, esteem, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.
you've been chosen. So this week, act like it. Even though your body might say different. Even though your squirrely mind might say something different. Remind yourself with the Word. What does the Father's Word say about me? Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Before I receive the offering, is there anyone here today that needs prayer for your physical body, your sickened body, and you need prayer today, and I'll pray for you. Amen.